together one more time. Come on, choir. God bless America. Praise team. God bless you for being here this morning. You may be seated. I'm Pastor Bradley Griggs, executive pastor here at Lindsay Lane. We want to say welcome to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church this beautiful 4th of July morning. We're so glad that you're here. Hope you have a safe and blessed 4th of July weekend. Uh, We're excited about what God is doing here at Lindsay Lane. He has certainly blessed us as a church. He has blessed our nation. You know, as flawed as we may be, we do have flaws as a nation. But I'm telling you, I am so proud to be a U.S. citizen and a part of this great nation. I'm telling you, it's what a blessing. And, uh, and so as we celebrate Independence Day today, we just hope we'll remember that true independence does come under the freedom that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. One nation under God. Let's continue to be that. But we do want to say welcome to you. If you're a guest of Lindsay Lane today, we want to say a special welcome to you and just let you know how glad we are that you're here. Hopefully you have a a, a bulletin this morning and in that bulletin there's a connect card and just ask for a little information about you if you would let us know and have a record of you being with us. If you're a first time guest after the service today, if you'll take your card back into the main foyer, our pastor should be out there and you can, uh, we would Love to have you come by and turn that in. And uh, if you'll put it in the offering buckets and you're a first-time guest, we'll make a contribution to one of our missions partners uh, on your behalf. And so we honor to do that, but we're glad that you're here. And we just want to say welcome to Lindsay Lane. And if you're looking for a church home, we certainly recommend this one. 
and so we're glad that you're here. Uh, today, as part of our worship, again, we're going to begin a little bit differently this morning, and I just want to remind you of our offering time And uh, this morning as we begin. And uh, you can uh, certainly give. Our offering buckets are out in the foyers. And so as you leave, if you haven't already dropped your offerings off there, you can do that. We will not be passing the plates or the buckets this morning. But uh, we'd encourage you to continue your faithfulness in the area of stewardship. You can give online uh, through our website at lindsaylane.org, or you can text LLBC to 73256 and give by text to give as well. But we are uh, want to encourage you to stay faithful in the area of stewardship. And uh, before we have prayer this morning... Uh, we're going to celebrate baptisms together. What a great, great day to celebrate the independence, the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ than to celebrate with baptism together. So Pastor Andy John is coming uh, for baptism this, this morning, and he'll be baptizing, so we're looking forward to that. Good morning. Welcome in to Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. It's, uh, it's good to be here all together at one service, uh, and uh, we're looking forward to... Uh, to hearing from the Lord and worshiping God together. And uh, before we do, we are, as Bradley said, we are honored to, uh, to baptize this morning. And this is Miss Maria Tangen. Come on down, Miss Maria. Miss Maria has been, uh, you can go ahead and have a seat there, Miss Maria. Miss Maria has been visiting with us uh, for the last few weeks. And Miss Katie White, our inReach director, has been ministering to her and uh, we're excited this morning to uh, to baptize her. As uh, as Bradley said, this is a a picture of God's work of freedom in the life uh, of a believer. And so, Miss Maria, we're so glad to have you with us. First of all, and uh, before you hold your nose, let me ask you a question. All right, <laughs> it's nerve wracking up here in front of everybody, right? Have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Yes. Amen. I know that you have. Well, based upon that profession of faith, I now baptize you as my sister in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Now we're ready. Amen. We got you. <laughs> Amen. Awesome. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for giving us baptism. Lord, for the instruction and, Lord, the act of baptism, God, that is unto our obedience to God. But it's a picture of what you are doing in our life. That because of Jesus, there is death to sin and a raising to new life. And God, we thank you and give you all the glory and all the credit. And I just pray, oh God, if there may be one or many who are considering baptism or who are considering their own relationship with you, that today on Independence Day, Lord, that they would truly allow you to, to free them up from all the sin and shame that would hold them down. And God, we thank you, Lord, for, for the, the cross and for the blood of Jesus Christ. That not only forgives us, but it frees us from the penalty, yes, but also the power of sin. So God, may your spirit guide us into all truths today as we worship you. And as we hear from you, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Would you stand and help us worship the Lord today? See what 
here today. Amen. The same power that rolled the stone away, the same power alive in us today. King Jesus, we call upon your name, no other
that you don't any other Sunday, but y'all sound good. You need to sit on the front row sometimes so you can listen to the choir real close and all the rest of y'all. God is worthy of our praise, amen, worthy of us singing loud and singing on purpose. I'm glad that you're here this morning. My name is Andy John King. I'm the lead pastor of Lindsay Lane. If we've not met, and it's good to see everybody here, happy 4th of July. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 John. As we continue to work our way through 1 John in the summer, and a second part of last week, which is living in love. This series is called In Real Life, as we distinguish between some of the things we think are real Christianity and what the Bible says really is Christianity. And obviously, love is one of those things. And as you are turning there, to recap last week, just in a few sentences, because God is holy, God is love. It's because of His holy perfect character that we get all of the good characteristics of God and especially his love. His love, as we have determined in recent weeks, is, is not just whatever and however. God's love is defined. And God's love is not whatever and however because God is not whatever and however. Again, he has holy character. And because of this, his love is founded in holiness. It is grounded in truth. It is eternal because of the nature of God. And it is expressed and available through Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here today, to lift the name of Jesus on high and let you know that because of his love and expression of love, you too can be right with God and experience his love forever and ever and ever. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your Bible, 
Thank you for teaching us the truth, for reaching out to us, Lord, for expressing your love, for who you are. We are grateful. And I pray today, O oh Lord, that you would do exactly as this book is supposed to do, which is to confirm our salvation or to be used by your Holy Spirit to draw us to it. And Lord, I pray that each and every person that is gathered here today would be real before you. Lord, that before your word and the mirror that is Scripture, we would see ourselves. And God, we would respond to where you would want to take us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we left last week this way, telling you that love is not so much about how you are loved, but how you love. Love is not so much about how you are loved, but about how you love. I am confident in communicating it to you that way because the commandment from God's Word to God's people is not a commandment to be loved, but to love. It's not a commandment to, to feel feelings or to be loved by one another. It is a commandment to love one another in chapter 2, verse 7. I honestly think that the desire to be loved can be an idol in our life. I want you to hear that one more time. I really feel like the desire to be loved can go so far in our life and in our heart and mind that it could go to the point of where it becomes the thing that we are consumed by, the thing that we worship, to the point where our worldview is influenced by a feeling of wanting to be wanted. And so much so that we find ourselves wanting to be wanted so much so that anybody else that feels the same way, as long as they get it, they should get it. And now this feeling of love has become more important than either in the truth of God. We take this into our own personal life past the point of a healthy desire to, to be loved and a healthy desire to have a right relationship with people. We take it all the way to, you said forever, now I drive alone past your street. Like, we have, we have taken it a long way past this healthy desire towards our life is consumed by wanting to feel a certain way. You and I both know that that's true. You see, this is not a discouragement towards anyone from the desire to be married. This is not a discouragement towards anyone that they should not desire and experience friendship and community and in the church because we are built for relationships. That's how we're built by God. And we, we want to be wanted. And that's there because we are built for relationships. But remember what the Scripture says in chapter 4, verse 7 of 1 John. Love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. So, the primary source of love is God. The primary source of being loved is from God. God is the one who knows and can meet the needs to satisfy your soul. That is the deep love of God. He, he loves in a way, in a relationship that will not fail because it's based on who He is. And, and the expression of love is what comes next. You see, in the, in the Scripture, love comes from God, the Bible says, and then it says, anyone who loves is a child of God. It does not say anyone who feels loved by God. But anyone who loves is a child of God. Not the feeling of being loved, but the expression of of love. You see, a lot of what we deal with personally and culturally is wrapped up in this, the way that we feel. And even though God offers his presence and his love, we get so far away from him because we are exhausting our efforts towards the feeling of being loved rather than just being loved and loving one another. 
Now, as we continue to dive into 1 John, I want you to remember that part of the purpose of 1 John, while it is evangelical and it's supposed to be making its way through the churches and the communities of Ephesus as you study the history of this book, it's also about confirming your Christianity. Knowing that you are really right with God, this book is going to teach you how you can know that. How am I right with God? One of the ways that you can know that you are right with God is if you take on the Father's characteristics as produced by the Spirit of God. The other day I walk into my office, Miss Kim's in there, I give some sort of look, Miss Kim, my assistant, says, gosh, you look just like Davis King when you made that face. Davis is my son. And I said, no, ma'am, Davis looks just like me when he makes that face. <laughs> so there's, a, there's a difference there. When we take on the characteristics of the Heavenly Father in us, there is proof of relationship and right relationship. And when there's love for the brethren, this is the point of today. Church, when you love one another, there is proof of spiritual life in you. When you love your brothers and sisters in the local church and in the global church or the universal church, it proves that the love of God is within you. Now, just before we begin to read our passages for today, I want to provide a, a caveat, so to speak. I want to provide conditions to this message relative to love one another. This commandment to love one another is what we're going to see in the Scripture, that it is not an old commandment. It is new in Jesus Christ, as we'll talk about in just a second. But there's a few conditional statements I need to make before we entertain this thought and this commandment of loving one another. And I'm going to give you four of them. Number one, the command to love cannot be expressed in isolation. The command to love cannot be expressed by keeping to yourself. This assumes, if God's Word tells us that He is love, and that proof of Christian life and light is that we love one another, that, that assumes that you are in relationship with others. It assumes that you're in relationship with the local church, people that believe the same thing. When it comes to loving others, some of us have the idea that we automatically pass the test, but the truth is, is that we're not even coming to class. There's, there's no pass on loving others just because you would remove yourself from intimate relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. In order to love one another, you have to be around one another. In order to love one another, you have to get personal to the point of where you know who they are. You have to become invested in one another. Some of you may feel, I'm not guilty of not loving anyone because I'm not around anyone. Well, that doesn't pass. To isolate ourselves out of fear, to isolate ourselves out of indifference, or because we're an introvert, to isolate ourselves based on bad experiences that we've had before, I, I'm very sorry that you've had those experiences, and experiences matter. But loving one another happens in the context of relationships. That's what God has in mind. How do I know? How do we really know that? Look at Jesus. If you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus steps away and goes into the hills and he prays. And he breaks away to rest and he has time with just him and God. And then guess what? He goes back to the crowds. He goes back to the one-on-one. -on -one. He involves himself with people. Now, I told y'all that there was a time coming where I was going to address this, what I'm about to address. I'm going to do it right now. Some of us watch church online because it's necessary. And thank God for the resource. We thank God for when we cannot be here, that he has provided a way where we can get the word out to people that are in their homes and cannot get out, that they are traveling for work. Or whatever it is that there's a necessary means to be away. But some watch online because it's easier. And I know they're watching right now. Now everybody that's watching us today online, 
is not watching us because it's easier. They're watching out of necessity. But some folks don't want to be found guilty about not loving other folks, so they just stay home and watch it on TV. It's just the truth. If, if we just don't involve ourselves with people, we won't have to be responsible for this. Well, that's false. But it is easier just to distance ourselves from the church. So we hear the word for us, but we hear it without actually having to establish a relationship with others. To, to become vulnerable, to extend compassion. Those things happen within relationships. So when we look at the commands to love one another, you cannot love one another in isolation. This is why we want to get you in a group. So that you have a chance to be loved on spiritually and so that you have a chance to comfort and encourage others. So that you can love one another and will at least have the chance and the possibility to be offended. I'm serious. You'll at least have the chance to love one another when you are in relationships. And as we've heard Brother Dusty say in years, it's not if you'll get your feelings hurt in church, it's when. And that's when the love of God gets to prove itself in your life. Second condition is the command to love isn't satisfied just because all your family lives here and because all your friends are too. Well, God bless you. Good for you. You got all your friends and family around you and all of those folks are Christians. Well, that's great. But the love of God in the command of love is not satisfied just because you love those in your first circle. In fact, if you look at the scripture, we cannot forget, Jesus came to seek and save those that were lost. What does that mean? Those that are on the outside, his mindset was to bring those to the inside. The attitude of Jesus is, I've got what you need. Hi, my name is, fill in the blank. What's your name? And get to know people to the point where you can actually hear their story and listen to their needs. This is an eye on the outside mentality. Third, the command to love rules out the excuse that my faith is private. Y'all, my faith is private, don't work. Don't biblically work. If your faith is private, then how, how in the world is your neighbor going to know the gospel? Boy, I hate it for them just because your faith is private. You see, that's, that's not how this works. It happens in the context of relationships. Ministry works in the context of relationships. If your faith is private, your story can't help me. If your faith is private, your spiritual gift that you've been gifted by God to use in His church cannot assist the church if your faith is private. Now, I realize that there are times that the church has been mean to you and shame on them. And there's been times where it's, it's burned you to the point you never want to darken the door again, which is why you stay at home. But trust the Lord. And, and I'm not telling you to just full-fledged, blind spot, trust the church. But trust the Lord that your faith and your love for others and your ministry can be expressed even in imperfect conditions and imperfect churches. Finally, the command of love is not excused because, well, we just really hadn't found a place that meets every preference we got. Well, bless your heart. Good gracious. How can we just accommodate every box that needs to be checked in your life? This is the part where I remind you that I, as a Christian pastor, I'm not, I'm not here to tickle your ears or massage your shoulders. And the prophets didn't either. I am here to tell you the truth and the truth and love. You'll never find a church that's going to check all your boxes. There's going to be something that you think can be improved, a weakness to be strengthened. It may be a doctrinal issue that the church holds real tight and you don't hold as tight and all those things. But I'm telling you, the command of love for you is not excused just because you don't, you don't like that church 
or this is not where we were. You know, I, I've heard a guy say recently, an influential man in Christianity to this day, say something like, well, church is not for me. And I'm almost like, man, you're not reading your Bible. You're influencing a lot of people to say church is not for me when the organization that Jesus set up is the church. So, so the, command of, the command of love is not excused because you just keep looking for a church. Now, you may leave here and be like, I'm not going to that one. <laughs> but I would tell you, just like I tell college students, when you go off to college, you look for a church, but you don't look for four years. Get settled somewhere so that you can practice these things. If Jesus is our example of love, Jesus involved himself with the crowds. If Jesus is our example of love, he received guests into his presence into the late hours for conversation. If Jesus is our example of love, he made breakfast for his disciples. If Jesus is our example of love, he had dinner with sinners towards the end goal of a conversation about eternal life. If Jesus is our example of love, he was willing to interrupt his schedule, to have people come into his presence and for him to help them. At the end of the day, Jesus taught and he fed and he healed because he loved people. Therefore, this command is for those who follow him. If we follow Jesus, we've got to love each other. For God so loved the world is the one that we love to quote, isn't it? And if we follow him, we follow in love. Now, we're finally to the text in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 and 11, 7 through 11. And this is the proof of light as it demonstrates itself in love, which means we can be assured of our salvation. Let's start with verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one. You have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing and the true light is already shining. Verse 9. If anyone claims I am living in the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. And such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Spirit of God, please guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, amen. This new commandment that John talks about in verses 7 and 8, John is, is speaking to this listening audience who is familiar with, with the Old Testament, familiar with the nation of Israel. And there are Gentiles included in this audience, but for the most part they have known this context of love one another. Love one another to the listener is not a revolutionary truth. This is an old commandment. This is what he says to them. And, and if it's an old commandment, y'all, you don't have to accept it. <laughs> if God has made this commandment a long time ago, he's not going to take it off the table. In fact, he's going to reinforce it. And so his holiness, because it doesn't change, the command to love will not change. Deuteronomy 6, 5 in the Old Testament. Love God with all of your being. You can look at that. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus mentioned these as the most important commandment. This has been declared by God throughout history to love. That God is love and we who follow God would love one another. 
In fact, this word new that we read in verses 7 and 8, this new commandment, this word actually means fresh. Meaning that this commandment is not an original thought in the sense that it's never been thought of before. It's new in the sense that there's been an update. There's a freshness to God's love and how his church is to follow suit. When it's time for you to get another phone, do you go in there as they greet you and say, what do you need? And say, I need a phone. They say, which ones would you like? And you say, I'd like the one from five years ago. None of us are likely going to do that. If it's within our means to get the most updated, newest phone, we are going to get... Some of you are like looking around at some of your parents and grandparents like, you need to come up off that jitterbug and get yourself an iPhone. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, I wouldn't want that new phone. I want that phone when you swing the dial around. I remember those. But if at all possible, you want the newest phone. Why would you want the newest phone? Because the newest phone is the most capable of any phone ever. The newest phone is the most capable to be everything that a phone can be. Hold on to what I'm saying. God's heart for love has always been. Always been throughout history. In fact, it was commanded of those who were his. But now, God's love is just not a command to obey. It's a person to follow. That is the updated version of love. That is the fresh expression of love. Jesus is the newest and the most fresh expression and example of love. And the command to love fully finds its way in Jesus. How do we love as God has commanded us? See Jesus. Follow Christ and his example. Now, let's look at this proof of light in verses 9 through 11. 9 through 11. Verse 9 says, If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in the darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Living in light is an expression that means living within God's revelation. For years and years in history, the world was waiting on the revelation of God as to the truth of how to live and how to die. The truth of of life in the present and life eternal and what it all meant and who would show them that way. And when Jesus came to live and die and rise again, God's way to the world and all things was revealed to creation and to those who are His. And so the scripture in verses 9 through 11, when it says to us, those who are living in the light, if we want to know if we are living in the light as proof of salvation, we will take on the revelation of God, which is the Word of God and Jesus. And if the Word of God and following Jesus is demonstrated in us, we will have assurance of salvation. This is what the Scripture teaches in 1 John chapter 2. But the Scripture says, if anyone claims... Did you notice that? Even back up to verse 6. Those who say... They live in God, should live their lives as Jesus did. And then verse 9, if anyone claims. You see, there's a distinguishment made between the claim and the practice. If anyone claims. We have to be careful with our claims because sometimes we can even deceive ourselves because we can say words of spiritual light, but we really be living in spiritual darkness. 
We can say things and sing things and recite things by our words. We can make claims and we can say things like this or sing things like this. How deep the Father's love for us. And we can pray and recite things like, Father, forgive us of our sins and forgive those who have sinned against us. But the proof is not in the communication. The proof is in the practice. If you claim light, but you practice hate, you are living and walking in darkness. Now, that is a sobering statement that we need to hear. If you claim light, but practice hate, you are walking, living in darkness, and others are going with you. The ones that you influence are walking in that same darkness. Well, who practices hate? I mean, I don't think anybody in here is going to admit to practicing hate. I mean, who, who really practices habitual hate for a Christian sibling? And that's, that's what the words mean, fellow believer. It literally means brother, family. This is why you hear words like church family, because it's based on the scripture that fellow believer literally means brother or sister. I would imagine that most everyone here would not admit that you hate anyone in here or hate anyone in the church. How many of us are going to be like, who did you say? Oh, yeah, man, I hate that dude. Like, nobody here is probably going to fess up to that and say, like, I loathe them. Good morning, right? And we probably don't admit that to ourselves because that's a bad look for a churchgoer, and we know it. It's a bad look for a Christian, but we don't know what to do with it. And before we dismiss this idea that no one here is guilty of hate, let me give you a few reasons why we should stop and consider that hate can definitely creep into the church. Why we should not dismiss the idea that hate cannot creep into this fellowship or any other fellowship. First, I find it hard to believe that God would include this in here if nobody was guilty of it. You ever thought about that? I don't know why God would put that in there. None of us do that. Thank the Lord. I truly believe that God includes this as teaching of the church because this happens in the church. And he puts this in there as teaching of the church because it must be considered that if it doesn't happen, it can get in and happen. The scripture says in Hebrews 4, 12 and 13, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, the immaterial parts of us down to the core. Between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes. And He is the one to whom we are accountable. Hate is a sin that begins in the heart. And while it may not be grown into action, God knows if there's even a seed of it in your heart. God knows if there's even a, a dark corner that's just a seed of hatred in your heart that has not yet expressed itself. He knows if it's there. In the third chapter, we are told we must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and he killed his brother. Why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. If you look back, before Cain and Abel, or before Cain killed Abel, the Bible says that Cain was very angry and he looked dejected. So before there was a murder, there was malice in his heart. You see, that's what God can see in our hearts before we ever express it. Before there's ever anything that we would wish on another, before there's ever anything that we do to another, God knows the seed of hatred that may be in our heart. And this is why he said to Cain in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, 
Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Even that seed of hatred that you know is there, but you never admit it. God knows that it's there and there's a warning attached. You better get a hold of that before it gets a hold of you. Secondly, the reason why we should not dismiss the idea that hate would creep into the church is because just because you don't hate many doesn't mean you don't hate. I want you to think about that for a second. We need to understand as we look in the scripture, we are, we're not talking about you hating a whole group of folks. Just one. The Bible even says here, the scripture says, hates a fellow believer. Some would dismiss the idea that hatred is, is really, for one, is really not a sin uh, uh, against God because they generally love the people in their church. It's just that one they really don't like now. It's just those one or those two. But you see, this isn't put in the context of hating a bunch of people. It isn't put in the context of hating a, a, a large group of people or a small group of people. It's one's relationship to another. A fellow believer. That's one single person in the church. One single person. And the world defends this. I'm not, I'm not really a bad person. Have you been bad to one? If you've been bad to one, then it proves that you are guilty of lack of love. This is the truth of God's word. And, and uh, it's just like this. If you've not murdered a hundred people, but you've murdered one, does that make you a murderer? It does. Well, that's, you may be like, boy, you went from zero to, or zero to extreme real quick with that example. But if you look in chapter 3, verse 15, the Bible says, Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. Now that'll just get to us, won't it? If you have hatred in your heart for someone else in here, somebody else in the local church, the Bible calls you out as a murderer at heart. Y'all, there's sometimes when we read the Bible, we understand before quick, God's serious about this stuff. And he's serious because all of this represents his character as the church represents who he is. If there's angst in your heart towards a brother or sister in the faith, the Bible instructs us how to deal with it. That's another sermon for another day. But the Bible's not silent on how you should deal with angst in your heart towards someone else. To not let that sin of hatred take root in your heart towards growth, towards something terrible. Third, as we are thinking about, before we dismiss the idea of guilt before the church, we dismiss the idea of guilt because of hate, we need to understand what this word hate actually means biblically. Now, this is the point where we all thought we are good. And now the Bible's about to blow that up. Truthfully. If you look at the meaning of the word hate, this will be more challenging to you than it already has been. Same way with me. The biblical idea of this word hate used in 1 John is not that you wish bad things to happen to someone. It's not that you hope that they fall on hard times or that they suffer or that they suffer at your hands. All those things are certainly hateful too. Now, don't dismiss that. All those things are really hateful. I'm just telling you the biblical definition of hate in this context may surprise you. The word hate here actually means to love less or to be indifferent to. Now this hatred idea gets a little bit closer to home. I want you to check this out. The same word that is used in this context is also used when Jesus was teaching the crowd in Luke 14, 26, and he said this, 
if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. You must, by comparison, love everyone else less. Now, when we read this, we think to ourselves, as we've read this verse before in our devotion to Jesus, we think to ourselves, that's drastic. That everybody else we got to hate as we love the Lord Jesus. But you realize he's communicating the idea that we should love Jesus more and love everyone else less in comparison to each other. Or our devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ makes our devotion to anyone else look like indifference. Obviously, Jesus would not instruct us to hate one another. That would be Jesus talking out of both sides of his mouth, telling us two different things. This word hate in this context means an indifference or to love less. So our devotion to Jesus, it should look like indifference in all of our other relationships because of how we love him. So what is the point? As God's word teaches that our devotion to the Lord must be more than any other relationship. It means that our devotion to fellow believers must not be any less than any other relationship. In other words, there should be no lack of love towards the Lord and there should be no lack of love towards even one of your Christian brothers and sisters. If there is, truly, you are guilty of hate. And Jesus is not that. Jesus is loved. He is loving one another, and that is his commandment. You see, there were false teachers at this time that were claiming that they live in the light. We're right with God, but they would love only those who agreed with them. The ones that agreed with them, they'd be, they'd be there to meet their need. If they agreed with them, then they would be there to be on their side, to visit them in the hospitals. But if they didn't, they're not coming to see you. See, though they claim to live in the light and live in love, and they only love those who sided with them. They only love those that would went their way and walked their way and agreed to everything they said. They only love those that included them, that made them feel welcome. And because you've made me feel welcome, I will make you feel welcome. That guy over there, I don't care anything about him because he didn't say a word to me when I came up in this place. You see, now when you start talking about hate in that kind of context, that it's love less and indifference, you have to deal with it. Because God's folks don't represent hate. We represent love. And when we do, and we love those who even hurt our feelings, it proves that the light of Christ has exposed and overcome the darkness in our life. I want you to consider indifference as well. Indifference is part of the definition of what hate means when we talk about hate being loving less. Indifference is, ah, eh, take them or leave them. And when we leave a gathering, having spoken to all the folks that we know, but have no interest in making one other person feel welcome outside the people that we know, that is loving less. That's what that is. It's loving less. There are many Christians here and in the world that need to be accepted. There's people that visit this church every single week that need a welcoming handshake. Hey, glad to see you. Hey, my name is. You know, if, if, if we come in this place and that's not a part of our mindset, we're indifferent to those that are on the outside looking in. That's just not Jesus. It's just not. What do you want us to do? You want us to shake somebody's hand every time we're here that we don't know? That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Reach out, reach in. 
Verse 10. Well, before we get to that, let me back up. I want to make this statement. This would be a great place to make a note if you want to make a note. But when we put hate in the category of love less, it at least pushes us to love more. When you look at it for what it really is, it at least pushes us to love more. If there's hate in your heart that is unaffected by your faith, you can claim to be a Christian, but hate is not a product of the Holy Spirit. Hate is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's also not unaffected by the Holy Spirit. Now, you may have disconnected your spiritual wires and heard this before and decided not to deal with it, but the Holy Spirit of God will not let us off the hook for hating another brother or sister, for loving them less or being indifferent towards their needs. I read this week that the outer walk is the best evidence of an inner union between us and Jesus. Now, now that we've discussed Hate as it relates to lack of love. Let's talk about love and as it relates to proof of light, proof of salvation. Verse 10. Verse 10 says, Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Now remember, living in the light is living in God's revealed truth. The truth of God is that God is love. So we must be people that love one another. What is the truth about God's love? Chapter 3, verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Living in the light is not indifference. Living in the light is giving up yourself to love somebody else. It's challenging, I know, but what does real love look like? Real love looks like giving up. Real love looks like sacrifice. It looks like laying down. Consider John chapter 10, verse 11. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. I don't feel like talking to anybody today. I don't, I don't feel like sitting in a circle and hear people talk about their problems. I don't feel like sitting in a circle and telling people about my problems. Real life, real love gives yourself up. It gives up the way that you feel. It gives up your resources. It gives up even your insecurities to the point where you are giving yourself away so that someone else would feel the love of God. It's challenging, I know. Truth is, is giving up your will for the will of another, that's the toughest thing on earth. There's no physical act, mental act, more different, difficult, I mean, than to submit your will to the will of another and to give up your will for the will of another. Let me encourage you today. Some of you, I want to encourage you specifically, and you know who you are. Some of, some of you have shared with me things that you go through, and, and because of it, I, I realize that you fit into this passage of giving up yourself so that others would be loved. Some of you have lived in unfulfilled relationships that were supposed to be fulfilling, and you are still in those relationships because you love like this. And to God be the glory. You're taking care of loved ones who have wronged you. And they've never made an apology, but you continue to take care of them anyway because that's what God does for you. Some of you have been loyal to a spouse that have hurt you deeply. And yet you continue to be loyal to you because loyal to them because God is loyal to you. Some of you did all that you could do in the relationship to keep the family together. You spent years trying to give peace to it because God blesses those who work for peace. You're praying and you're trusting the Lord 
to, to exemplify a reasoned out love, which is the love of God. It's not based on touchy-feely. It's based on the reasoned out, I choose to love you. And some of you have been demonstrating that for another brother or sister in this place. You don't feel it at all, but you've done it because that's how God loves you. You're giving up. You're laying down your feelings to love like Jesus loves you. Evidence of Christian love is not words. Evidence of Christian love is like, I'm nice to those who are nice to me. That's not Christian love. Evidence of Christian love, as we've seen the most new and updated expression, is sacrificial. We lay down what we feel and even what we want for the good of someone else. This is living in the light. How so? Jesus gave himself for you and for me. He died for us. Well, he didn't have to do that. I'm perfect all the time. Give me a break. In our sin, which is against God, in our indifference to God, our lack of love, God sent his son anyway to die a sacrificial death towards those that would be even indifferent to him, to those that would have a bad weekend and forget him, to those that wouldn't love him back. This is true Christian love. It's sacrificial. And then verse 17, it gives us real-life application as we're beginning to close. Last page, I promise. Verse 17 says, If someone has enough money to live well, and y'all around here, we got enough money to live well. I'm just going to tell you all that. It's not like this in the rest of the world, in large parts of the world. If someone has enough, the truth is we don't manage it well. Because every dime we got spoken for, and I'm sorry to see you in a ditch, but we can't help you. Because we've already got it paid for by something else. If someone sees enough, uh, someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? You, you are laying down what you have so that others may pick it up and their needs be met. This is a, a physical example of what God's love looks like towards your brothers and sisters. If you've not been a part of giving at this church to help somebody else or to help the cause of Christianity, it's likely because you need to get more involved. You need to get to know people. When you get to know people, you get to know their needs. And so if you see somebody else in this place that is a brother or sister in Christ, and you've got the means to help them, but you show no compassion, the Bible asks this question, how can God's love be in you at all? And that's a serious question. Because you've been in need before, and God has shown you compassion. So if you don't extend the same thing, don't be talking about how you're a Christian. That's it. The truth is, though, is you can contribute money and never have compassion in it. You can contribute money to someone in need without loving them. Did y'all know that? It, the Bible, even in 1 Corinthians 13, backs that up. If I give and take away the needs of the world but don't have love, that means you can give without love. And, and so... The scripture says that our God is full of compassion. The ingredient that makes giving an act of love is compassion. Our God is full of compassion, it says in Psalm 116, which is why, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were in the wrong, God was in the right. While we were at our worst, Christ was at his best. Because of the compassion that comes from love, we got the love of God through Jesus. Listen to this. Just as murder begins with hate, sacrifice begins with compassion. 
The reason we don't help folks with love in our heart is because it's not started in our heart. We'll give out of obligation. We'll give because the church says to. We'll give because we think it makes us closer to God. And the kind of giving that God talks about as being counted as love is out of compassion. Well, it's real difficult to love them that way. Well, I guess we better pray for it. God's not going to back up on any of this, y'all. I guess we better pray for it. We need to pray for compassion. You'll find it easier to extend giving and help folks when you realize that you've prayed for your own compassion. Man, did y'all hear that? I know it's getting late. When you realize you've prayed for your own compassion, remember the last time you asked God to forgive you? And if God forgives you, he forgives you out of that compassion. So if we find it hard to forgive others, if we find it hard to extend compassion, just remember you've asked the same God for compassion. And he's extended it to you. Psalm 51.1, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I know you've prayed that prayer just like I have. Blot out the stain of my sin. Have compassion on me, O God, but don't ask me to have the same for them because I hate them. Final word. Look, the Bible says, anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. Did you hear that others part? Did you know your life, since we're talking about 4th of July and the river, <laughs> we had talked about the river, but I'm about to. Our life is like a wake off a boat. You know, if you're sitting near somebody else that's going by, and the wake that comes off that water, it starts to move you, your life is the same way to those that you influence. And so the Bible says, anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. When you walk in darkness, everybody else that follows you walks in darkness too. Mamas and daddies and grandparents, are you teaching your children and grandchildren to love the way that God loves or the way that you feel like you should? I'll tell you what. If they did that to me, I would fill in the blank. You see, we probably have all said something like that before. Because we get in our feelings. Are, are we teaching the next generation how to put up with fellow believers that they don't like? Or are we teaching them to move on to the next place so that we can find a bunch of people that we do like? Y'all, this is what we're getting into. Oh my goodness, they didn't treat you right? Well, just move on. A month later, what did they do? Gosh, next. See, so what God's talking about is forgiveness. God's talking about love doesn't quit. It endures. When you walk in the dark, so does everyone that follows you. But when you walk in the light, everyone that follows you has a way forward. What you do and how you love others proves whether or not you are a believer and it sets a way for others to follow you. Y'all, that's important. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want to invite you today to join this church, to be a part of us. As we've just preached about love, we're going to have to do that here. Amen? We want to be a church where there is love. And I will tell you this, as long as I've been here, I've experienced that people are trying to love one another based on the truth of God. This is the place you want to be. I'm not going to tell you to skip on down the road to another church because I believe you ought to come to church here. And I would invite you to join this church. If you want to be, belong here and be a part of this body, we'll receive you right down here. But even more than joining the church, you've seen baptism this morning. 
If you need to get your baptism in order, you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you want to be obedient unto baptism, won't you let us know that so we can help you with that? Or even more so, you've never called upon the name of the Lord to be saved. You realize the love of God for you and the lengths that He went to make sure that you are going to be in heaven? But if you've never accepted His promise, you've never accepted the act of salvation that He's made for you through His Son, the freedom and forgiveness of sins... Listen, all you've got to do is come to us and say, I need to be saved. That's it. I need to be saved. Let us help you from there. Lord, thank you so much for this day that you have given us and set aside to worship you in spirit and in truth together. Lord, we're all better for being in front of your word. Now, Lord, if there's any part of us that would bow up to anything that's been said, I pray, oh God, that we'd be slow to anger as we would hear from your spirit and from your word before we do. Lord, if there's been any part of us that has experienced conviction as to something in our life that needs to be sharpened or strengthened, God, that we would be obedient. That we would teach those that we influence how to love according to how you love. Lord, if there be one or many that needs to understand that your compassion and your love is eternal and unfailing, God, that they would call on you for forgiveness today because it's available. Lord, for those that are loving and they're getting tired, God, would you strengthen them? Would you strengthen them, Lord, today and remind them that they are loving the way that you love and that you don't give out, you don't get exhausted. Your love is loyal and it endures. Lord, I thank you so much for how you do. Express benevolence to us, charity to us. And God, as we are your church, may we extend that same benevolence and charity to each other. In Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for you. There is a name that echoes on eternal shores of all believers who have come before. Jesus Christ, Clap their hands, the mountains bow.
Your spirit that guides us. I thank you so much, Lord, for the truth that takes over. God, may we all, may we all yield to what you are bringing up within our heart. Lord, as we sing through one more time, God, I just pray if we've not sang a word of worship since we've been here, that we would do so right now. And Lord, if, if this altar that's open for us, if we know we need to put ourselves before you or get with somebody else that can help us, Lord, I pray that we do that right now. Lord, we thank you for this day, this dedicated independence. I pray, oh God, you would free us from the things that hold us down, whether it be resentment towards others or hatred in our heart. Oh Lord, if we need to accept the love of others or drop our pride and humble ourselves to have a conversation, we should. I pray, oh God, that that would result from your word and your spirit's draw. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's sing through it one more time. Your love is amazing grace never fails me. not limited by first, second, and last. Amen? We can just keep singing and trust the Lord to move throughout our service. I'm going to hush now and let Greg come and give us some announcements. Amen, amen. Thank you, Pastor. I just want to let all of you guys know that I love you. All of you. Every, I mean, some of y'all are, I just love all of you. Amen? Love you, brother. Uh, coming up on uh, July the 23rd, you can see all of these announcements in your bulletin. We've got a night of champions with uh, current uh, coach Patrick Nix and his son, which is the current quarterback of the Auburn Tigers, uh, Bo Nix, will be here in the sanctuary. We're going to try to get all of our local athletic teams here and just share the gospel with them. So be praying for that event coming up. We've also got a local community uh, missions project, uh, Serve 256, will be coming up in a couple of weeks. If you are available to serve in any form or fashion uh, during that week, please let Rhonda Martin know. You can uh, get her uh, email is in your bulletin there and let her know that you want to be a part of that. 
that. And lastly, before we leave this Wednesday night, will be no services uh, here on our campus. I know a lot of you guys will be traveling, spending time with family, and uh, so we'll have no services here at 630. Uh, Pastor Andy John will be right out those double doors on your way out. If you want to stop by and uh, meet Pastor on your way out, uh, you can do so. It's been a great day in the house of the Lord. Everybody say amen. amen. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you. Uh, for independence today. We thank you that we still live in a country where we can come into this place and uh, worship you freely. But most importantly, God, we thank you for the independence that comes through knowing you, through the liberty and freedom that comes through a personal, real, intimate relationship with you, God. And I pray as we leave this place today, that's what we will celebrate, that we will remember that and want to share it with other people. We want to love our neighbors, love the people around us, and just show people how good you are and how much that you loved us that you sent your son to die on a cross to deliver us and give us, again, freedom and liberty and independence. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.